Hey everybody, and welcome to episode three of the Champions Cast, and we have a very, very special episode for you today. Uh, we're very excited to have on the show the one and only Elizabeth Maxwell, uh, who you might know from a little game called The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. She voices a few characters in that game, and chief among them is the Gruda Warrior Urbosa, so... Thank you for coming on the show today. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Having me. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, let's uh, let's let's get the re- let's get the listeners to to know a little bit about Elizabeth Maxwell. So, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, um, I am a lifelong geek, but fairly recent to the voiceover game. Um, I started about five years ago, which is actually fairly short in in the uh, you know in the grand scheme of things in the acting world yeah well I've been I've wanted to be an actor my whole life but um, I didn't pick up a microphone like I said until about five years ago um, but yeah I I it, it's amazing to me that the idea didn't occur to me sooner because I remember playing Alec Kid in Miracle World for the first time on my old Sega when I was like five years old and I didn't put down a controller <laughs> for a very long So you were, you were a Sega kid. I was a Sega kid. Um, oh. I did get a Super Nintendo around, oh, I don't know, like 11 or 12. Um, but yeah, I started out on Sega. Sega Genesis was my second console and Super Nintendo was my third. And uh, I was like a little behind the times with with Nintendo products. That's that's pretty much the opposite of me. I uh, there's still so many classic Sega games that I've never I've never even played to this day. I was actually I was eyeing one of those uh, Genesis Classic deals, which I thought would be pretty cool to make up for lost time. Well, I have to admit that I tend to prefer RPGs. They are my Uh, video game of choice still to this day and I really do think that in general Nintendo and Super Nintendo kind of beat Sega and Sega Genesis in that regard like across the board uh for I think yeah I think so so depending on what you like to play you may not be missing out on too much (laughs) I yeah I, I don't know I would uh I would have to go between either the Super Nintendo or the original PlayStation is kind of like the RPG haven. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't know if I could pick if you asked me which one had more RPGs that I liked. But uh, they were both pretty killer. That would yeah. be an tough call for me as well. They, they definitely had a fair slew of the good stuff, so to speak. So me, me and Taylor actually have, this is completely unrelated, I don't know if you can answer, but me and Taylor have an off-air rivalry about Final Fantasy IX. Have you ever played that game? I haven't gotten, I started nine and I didn't make it very far into it and I haven't picked See, I can understand that. She totally got bored before, you know, your ideas of what makes a good Final Fantasy game came through. I totally understand. Shut up, shut up. Dude. <laughs> so so what, are, what are a couple of your favorite games? Um, Probably my two favorite games of all time would be uh, Chrono Trigger. Ooh. Nice. Yeah, yeah. If I had to pick one, that's what it would be. Um, close second would be Final Fantasy three, or I guess six, depending on whether you, you know, go with, uh, uh, you know, English American or, or yeah, Japanese. Yeah, yeah. Or Japanese counting. 
Um, yeah, those are definitely my top two. Uh, I had a really soft spot for um, Secret of Mana, though, as well. Ooh, because, that was really good. Nice. Yeah, my, my brother is responsible for a lot of my early geekdom. He's, he's my older brother. And um, in the early days, he kind of had, like, monopoly over the game systems. So a lot of times I had to just, like, sit and watch him and his friends play, like, Final Fantasy and Fantasy Star. And uh, Secret of Mana, you know, was, like, that one magical game where you could play two-player. <laughs> <laughs> and so I could join in as the younger sister. <laughs> that that game was always really cool, actually. And it's funny that you said Final Fantasy VI, because I, I just started replaying that on my SNES Classic. But Secret of Mana always really reminded me of, like, an entire game in the Lost Woods kind of setting from Link to the Past. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Did anyone else get that? Oh, back? yeah, definitely, definitely. So, yeah, definitely the RPG fan for sure, we can see, eh? Indeed. Did you just say A? Uh, well, I'm, I'm Canadian. <gasps> it's true. If you uh, haven't heard from his boots yet, you know. <laughs> oh, shut up. Shut up. It, I've, I've been saying for the longest time, like, I don't have a Canadian accent, but, you know, you're not the first person to call me out on that. Well, you, you know, it's distinctive. I like it. <laughs> and Thank honestly you. speaking it really is only on certain words where it really comes out well wait wait till we get talking about hockey then then the a's get a little bit more pronounced and the and the talk about beavers and stuff gets a little bit more active i was gets too relaxed i was just how i could like construct a question to make you say the word about to see how you pronounce that but you handled it for me thank you <laughs> Yeah, well, I don't fall into those kind of traps on this show. <laughs> right. Um, totally didn't get baited. <laughs> let's just move right along. Uh, so tell us, how did you... You said that you've only been uh, doing this for uh, a short couple of years. Mm -hmm. How did you get your start in the uh, in the acting scene? Uh, well, I've been acting for a large portion of my life for uh, camera. And, you know, went to college, got a BFA in theater, lived in L.A. for five years, yada, yada, yada. Uh, and then for personal reasons, I ended up moving to Austin, Texas. And when I made that move, I kind of knew that the uh, on-camera industry was going to be smaller uh, than in LA. I mean, it still exists, but obviously much smaller. And uh, so I had it in my brain that, you know, I kind of wanted to have another source of income, another artistic outlet. And I had a bunch of friends who I respected and some of them worked in the video game industry and they all kind of said, you know, you have a good voice, you play video games and watch anime, like have you ever thought about doing voiceover for these things? And it was kind of like, well, huh, why haven't I thought about this? And uh, yeah, so I spent a couple months, did a ton of research, uh, put together my own demo reel, and then spent another like eight months kind of like banging on the door of companies that I thought might hire me, uh, like Funimation and uh, a couple local video game companies. And through some polite persistence, I finally convinced some of them to hire me. And uh, I guess I was okay at what I did because I kept getting rehired. <laughs> I mean, not, they're not wrong. You do have a great voice. It, it, in fact, it only goes to show 
like the contrast between your voice and me and Taylor here, unfortunately for us. Oh, shush. Um, so you've been in some pretty, uh, some pretty big franchises. You've appeared in, uh, Attack on Titan, Ghost in the Shell. What are, what are some of the differences between doing like a, like a show like that versus recording for a video game such as a Zelda Breath of the Wild? Well, you know, it's funny that you say that, um, because I found working on Zelda to be the closest thing, uh, to working on an anime when you compare those two realms. Um, in general, with anime, you're doing dubbing. So, you know, basically you're having to match mouth flaps, you're having to respect, if not copy, uh, you know, a performance that's already been given. So it's definitely fun. Uh, you definitely have some artistic room, uh, but it is definitely a more confined performance. And it usually involves a lot more like left brain and right brain because the whole art of, uh, you know, matching flaps requires you to really like utilize both the logical and creative part of your brain at the same time. Um, I kind of liken dubbing to uh, the Latin of voiceover. <laughs> it's like if you can if you can learn how to do dubbing well, uh, everything else seems easy. Well, thank the goddesses that dubbing is not dead yet, unfortunately, <laughs> for Latin. Right. <laughs> uh, it's not yet a dead language. Um, and then with video games, um, usually there can be the opportunity for a little bit more creative freedom because you're doing prelay, uh, which basically means that you are not having to match mouth flaps with your performance. So you know, you typically have much more freedom in um, performance style. Uh, but because Zelda is a localization, um, you know, an English local localization of a Japanese performance, um, it, it was basically dubbing for a video game, um, which is, I think, the first time I've ever done it. Because I think it was the first time that I've ever worked on a video game where we were doing localization, but there was cutscenes. Um, so you did have the actual mouth, mouth flaps that you had to match. Xenoverse um, 1 and 2 was not the same? Which one? Xenoverse 1 and 2 was not the same in that regard? Xenoverse. Uh, no, Dragon Ball no, Xenoverse? No, no, no. Um, no, for Xenoverse, I had to somewhat match timing. Um, but I didn't have to match mouth flaps. Oh, okay. Um, at least for my character. Maybe some of the other characters did, but not for my character. Uh, yeah, you were playing the Time Patroller, which is the main character, so a lot of their voice work is done through the attacks yeah, in the yeah. middle of a combat. A lot less vocalization and a lot more, uh, you know, effects, noises. Battle cries. But uh, yeah, I thought it was kind of, I do to this day, this is totally just like my hypotheses, but to this day, I think the fact that I had a lot of anime dubbing experience probably worked in my favor when it came time to cast Zelda Breath of the Wild. That's just my hypothesis. <laughs> oh, probably not, probably not far off the mark there, uh, I wouldn't think. Um, so walk, walk us through how the recording process started. Um, were, how did you end up um, recording for Zelda Breath of the Wild? 
Well, um, all of the, I, I kind of had, a, well, I'll start from the beginning because it's a very good place to start. Oh my gosh, your cat just made my cat give me the craziest look. <laughs> he can hear the meowing. Oh God. And he just, we've started, we've started a monster. It's beautiful. Um, but yeah, um, Sean may have already told you this, but none of us had any idea that we were auditioning for Zelda. Um, obviously, as big of a client as Nintendo, as big of a project as Zelda, like everything was super dupes, secret, under wraps, code names, um, you know, using uh, made up copy and made up names, you know, for the auditions. So there wasn't a hint of giving giving anything away. So I went through the entire audition and callback process, having no idea what I was auditioning for, really. Um, and it all took place in LA, which is pretty unusual. Usually you're allowed to do at least your first read um, remotely, and then sometimes they'll require you to come in person for callbacks, but I had to be there in person for both. And then... My third trip out for this project was when I actually got cast and went to record for the first time. I showed up at the studio still not knowing <laughs> what I was going to wow. Um Waited in the waiting room. They escorted me into the booth and they were like, okay, uh, why don't you just take a moment to get settled? We're going to get all of our stuff, you know, kind of squared away on our end. Um, you know, let us know if you need anything. And I'm still just kind of trying to play it cool, follow their lead, not not ask too many questions. But I noticed that the script was on a mic stand. And so I was like, oh, well, you know, I'll just go, you know, glance over it while I'm, I'm waiting for them. And I started reading through it and saw, you know, the word Hyrule and immediately was just. What what was that moment like when you're like, oh my god, this... Did you get chills and everything? Um, I actually got speechless. <laughs> um, it was... Ironic. <laughs> right? Uh, it was... It was both, I feel like, a smart and a cruel thing for them to do. Um, because it was such a shock. Like, the, like I, the sudden, like knowledge of the enormity of what I was about to work on. Um, but yet they didn't really give you any time to process it because you basically discover what you're working on. And then like 30 seconds later, they're like, all right, you know, are you ready to start? And you have to like snap back into your, you know, professional state. Um, so, I mean, I, in some so ways I'm like, maybe this was a calculated move. Maybe this was kind of smart because I didn't have time to psych myself out. <laughs> so did that, do you think that that affected your performance either in a good or a bad way uh, at all? Or were you able to kind of just snap it back in gear really quickly and, and do, do it from, from my perspective, you did amazing. So I don't, I don't know if that, that helped or hurt. Um, for me, it helped um, because I, I'm lucky enough that I had, I had had a couple of years of, of experience in voiceover under my belt. So I was able to kind of like make that shift fairly quickly into like, okay, work mode. This is just another job. Focus on the task at hand. 
um, you know, stay, stay focused. Don't, you know, get outside of yourself. I mean, you know, when I got back to my car after the session, like I absolutely started screaming and like banging on, you know, the steering wheel, and, you know, almost. <laughs> yes. Uh, but, but for me, it was probably helpful that they didn't give us hardly any time to actually process what we were doing. And I had to just, you know, like I said, just laser focus in on the job and not think about the context too much. <laughs> I, so I think I would have psyched myself out. Yeah, if if I knew that I was coming in for something as as big as a Zelda, I think so. That's probably you're probably right. That's probably good. I mean, in all honesty, I think I was more nervous the second round of recording that I went in the first. <laughs> so, so, um, twenty twenty seventeen going into twenty eighteen just saw the rise uh, of so many awesome like strong female characters um, from movies to, to video games. How did it feel to like, to kind of add to that, to that movement to playing like what I think most people would say is like the game's fan favorite in Urbosa, just this, like this badass warrior who, who everybody loves, who can hold her own, who's an inspirational figure to, to princess Zelda. Like um, what, what is your favorite thing about playing a character like that? Um, I love being able to like give a voice and a face to qualities or characters that I think are kind of underrepresented um, either in our society or just in the gaming world in general. And so like you said, it's like I loved that I got to play this very multifaceted character. You know, it's like she is a total badass and she could kick anybody's butt but she also has a very um, nurturing, you know, maternal side that you see with Zelda. She has a sense of humor. She doesn't take herself too seriously. And, you know, we, we never, you know, there's obviously this is a fantastical world. And so there are, there's no representation of real races. But, you know, it's like, I like that she isn't your kind of, she doesn't have your typical kind of like anime appearance. You know, she has darker skin. She has unusual facial features, um, you know, that might not be considered um, uh, traditionally beautiful. And it's kind of cool, too, because for a long time since uh, the release of Ocarina of Time, the Gerudo had kind of been considered like the villains. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So to see this character um, really just shows such a heroic side. I thought was, I thought was really cool as well. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, like I said, it's just, um, I mean, it's awesome getting to play strong as a strong woman, or I like to consider myself a strong woman. It's awesome to get to play strong women and have both men and women respond so positively to that. Like I'll never forget. Um, this one young woman reached out to me on Twitter and basically told me that like, I've always had a deeper voice for a woman. My, you know, my entire adult life, I was teased about it. I always hated it. You know, it made me feel super self-conscious and not attractive. And then after playing Zelda Breath of the Wild and hearing Urbosa, it made me start to think differently about my own voice. And now I'm kind of starting to actually like it instead of hate it. And I was like, representation matters 
Absolutely. That's, that's really cool. Actually that, uh, I'm sure that was super gratifying to hear. It was, it really was. Um, cause I think it's easy. Like, I mean, I know on an intellectual level that people all around the world are playing this game and hearing my voice, but you don't always realize on a more visceral level until somebody reaches out to you like that, how like you can actually be affecting people through your performance. So it's kind of cool when I feel like I get to, you know, inadvertently make a, a positive, you know, effect on somebody. And, and Zelda, I mean, just, it means so much to so many different people. So yeah, that's kind of like, it's kind of like when, when people say that video games aren't art, I always kind of point to two examples like that, where it's like, they, they have such a good reach for positive impact. So um, that's really cool to hear. Yeah. Um, so I'd like Urboso, she was just a favorite of mine pretty much right away easily my favorite of the champions pretty much just for like the reasons that that we've talked about she was just so like not what i expected because when you first see her you have this this powerful warrior but then then she pranks uh then she pranks someone with the lightning who wakes <laughs> him up. and then she and then she's super soft as zelda talking about her mother and stuff and it's just like it, it, it there was so much there seemed to be more and more um layers to this character that went on so i think that uh i think that she is like probably one of the one of the better zelda characters to come out in the last 20 years i would say well gosh probably probably since ocarina of time and 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 we're not just saying that because you're on here but like legitimately i I think her boss is just such a cool character thanks i mean i know but i agree with you Yeah, I mean, I did the Gerudo area first for uh, Breath of the Wild, and when oh, did you? Me too. Yeah, when I when I encountered Urbosa, both in the memories first, and then like going through the whole Von Naburis, uh segment, I was just like, oh my god, if this is what the rest of the game has to offer me, I am all on board. Let's do this. <laughs> I'm kind of surprised. Isn't isn't it is it true? Because I haven't played through um, all of the game yet. Is it true that the Gerudo area is kind of the most difficult of the four? Um, I wouldn't say that. No. It, it, what it what it does have is it has an extra. I, I wouldn't call it a dungeon, but it has an extra section where you have to sneak through uh, the Yiga Clan's lair. And it's a very stealth orientated mission because if they catch you, you're done for. And it's kind of like, it's a throwback to the original Gerudo Fortress from Ocarina of Time, actually. Mm -hmm. um, so they do have a section like that and you have to go and fight Master Koga, who is the leader of the Yiga clan. And you do that to get the Thunder Helm, um, which goes back to Riju. And in order to awaken um, the Divine Beast, you need to get that Thunder Helm and you need to, to go through this cavern. So it's almost like an extra step because, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Taylor, I don't think there's anything quite like that for the other three, right? Like, it's pretty much, it's more or less kind of straightforward, isn't it, to, to awaken the Divine Beasts? Um, awakening, yes. Although, I guess you could argue each area has something similar to it, but definitely not as long. Gerudo, the Gerudo area is both, I think, the biggest main area like for for dungeon for divine beast um and it also happens to have the longest side quest involved with completing the main main quest hmm. 
So I almost I wish I would have done it last actually because when I did it first I was uh, I was just like yeah like everyone's gonna be like this this is awesome and then when the rest of them didn't have that kind of uh, extra step I was like ah that's too bad <laughs> and especially the Goron one where you got to walk Buddy through or up Death Mountain was ugh. It wasn't my favorite it was it was no Gerudo section let's put it that way right Andy doesn't like having to babysit his NPCs. <laughs> No, I, I babysit Taylor enough, so... It's true, uh, it's true. That's why I loved Urbosa so much. She babysitted me throughout the whole game. So, compare and contrast, because you voiced Riju as well, correct? Uh-huh. So, compare and contrast the the strong-willed, um, badass Urbosa to someone like Riju, who's still kind of, like, finding her way a little bit. What are... What are the differences that go into recording those two characters, just to see, just to give them their each distinct flair? Yeah, well, it's interesting. Um, recording Riju was a little different, um, just in the sense it, it happened after Urbosa. So the character of Urbosa had already been pretty firmly established. Um, but the Descendant characters just weren't fleshed out nearly as much as the champions were because, you know, they weren't as involved in stuff like the cutscenes and the, and then, you know, kind of emotional narrative of the story. So the main thing that I kind of focused on was having that kind of Gerudo backbone and, and, and kind of spiciness. Um, you know, she has kind of like that, uh, that inherent confidence that I think the Gerudo all seem to carry, but she also has this kind of unusual naivete and innocence from her age, but also a certain world weariness from the burden of being the chief at that young of an age. Mm -hmm. So, um, I'm just kind of tried to take parts of Urbosa and then make her, you know, like I said, a little, a little less sure and a little more weary. <laughs> the Gerudo spiciness is probably the best way I've, I've heard the Gerudos described ever. <laughs> yeah. The Gorons would be jealous. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Um, I did love that, that Nintendo chose to have all of the voice actors do both the champion and their descendant um, mm -hmm. because I did feel like it gave an inherent understanding to the descendant characters that may not have necessarily been there if they weren't voiced by the same actor. I think that connection was, uh, was important too, since um, they're not, I mean, they're not necessarily like the reincarnations of these guys, but they're, they're closely associated with them and, and, and the they're not quite one and the same, but they're very they're very close together and work with each other even after the champions have all met their end. So I thought that that was actually a pretty cool idea as well. Um, and definitely much needed for certain champions. <laughs> Rivali. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So. So I know that you you already slapped our wrists about this before we started the show, and uh, we're just gonna get our wrists slapped again. But can you give us any? What's the, what's the craziest thing working for Nintendo that happened? Hmm. The craziest thing. 
just the juiciest thing you can actually give us. Oh, gosh. And if that's nothing, we'll just move right along. Like, perhaps how cute Shigeru Miyamoto is. I haven't gotten to meet him. Unfortunately. No. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Hopefully in the next Zelda project you work yeah, on. Yeah, right? <laughs> um, while I think about craziest thing about working for Nintendo, I will say that one of my, like, little secret favorite parts about about the game and and the other actors and the voiceover in general. And I obviously don't think that this was done on purpose, but every single voice actor of like one of the main characters somehow physically um, had similarities to their characters. Like Patricia Somerset, who voices Zelda, is this very naturally elegant, regal woman with you know like Zelda's like long blonde hair and she used to be a professional ice skater so she just carries herself with that like you know kind of like grace and elegance and you know I have flaming red hair um though not the Gerudo six-pack most unfortunately uh I'm working on it though um (laughs) yeah me too comes with time if you've ever seen a picture of Sean Chiplock, like he has like that kind of like slender, like avian build. And he just kind of has that like bright chipper energy that like reminds me of a bird. And then, you know, Joe Hernandez is, you know, like a big, tall, strong dude, like a Goron. And I don't know if this is still the case, but at the time that we recorded, um, Amelia Gotham, who's Mifa, actually had pink hair. oh that's neat that's a neat little detail yeah so i just thought that 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 tickled me whenever i well to give you more time to think of the craziest nintendo thing let me ask you i know that in voice acting um like 99 percent of the time it's done individually with the voice actors it's very very rare that they uh work together in like in the same booth and and things like that. Uh, how is it for for Breath of the Wild? Did you ever do anything with your fellow voice actors or champions? Um, besides just hang out for fun, no, um, not in the booth. Uh, it it like you said, it is very rare. I can only think of one game that I have ever recorded with another actor in the same booth, and it was because of um of the content. It was so comedic and relied on comedic timing that uh, they went to the extra effort to, um, you know, be able to record us together. But I think particularly with something like Zelda that was dubbing, um, it would have been nigh impossible to try and record it with one of the other voice actors present and, and performing. Right. Um, so I, I have a weird question for you. One of the guys at our site noticed that you are a player of Dungeons and Dragons. He wanted to know what your character's like. Um, well, I haven't had time to play in a while um, because I've been traveling so much, um, both for you know work and conventions and, and my travels to LA have been becoming more and more frequent. Um, but the last character that I played was a Tifling rogue named um, Resin. Nice, very nice. What uh, what school did you go in the rogue tree? Did you reach level three? Uh, yes. 
And um, I'm trying to remember which way I... I mean, was it 5e, or did you play another edition of uh, Dungeons & No, Dragons? we played an older uh, older edition. We weren't... Nine, nine. So 3, three 5, or 4e, probably? I think it was 3, if I'm not mistaken. Because I was playing all with people who, like, started playing Dungeons & Dragons, like, way back in the day, and were much bigger fans of, of the older systems. Uh, oh, okay, nice. You guys are just speaking a different language to me. Because I've never played, unfortunately... But I've, we're speaking the only language. I've watched Stranger Things, and I want to. Don't I haven't? So no spoilers. Oh man, I know I know you're busy, but you got to make time for that. I know, I know. Can you? Is it one of those shows on Netflix that you can download to watch when there's no Wi-Fi? Uh, uh, you might be able to watch it on your iPad if you have the Netflix app. And I don't know. You don't need the Netflix app. You can just go right onto the website and watch it. It's pretty good. It's it's uh there's not a whole lot of episodes. I want to say there's uh, eight episodes per season. So it doesn't take a while to binge watch it, but it's really it's really good. That's what I've heard. And I do I do most of my um television and Netflix watching on planes now. Right. Uh so I I'm somewhat limited to the shows that you can, you know, download for, you know, watching without Wi-Fi. Insert ad for Amazon Prime here. Ta-da! <laughs> so, um, I, like, what else do you like to do in your in your spare time? Let's say besides work, besides video games, um, any favorite shows on Netflix that you've been watched, binge watched, uh, anything like that? Or are um, you more like the the book kind of person? Um, both. I'm I'm well. The most I'm more of a book person. I did recently binge watch Glow, which I friggin' loved, and I'm, I thought that was so good. I am bound and determined because I don't know if you guys know, well, you may have gathered it from some of my earlier descriptions, but um, I I do still do on camera um, acting as well. So I am like bound and determined to find a way onto that show for season two. Um, I freaking loved it. That would be awesome. I I had such a blast watching that show. I thought it was so funny because I I'm not a huge wrestling fan, but I I like to watch from time to time, and it it just like clicked every box for me. I thought it was so good. I agree, um, but yeah, my biggest like kind of like passion and where I can geek out the hardest is definitely with books. I am a huge fantasy fan. I do get into some sci-fi some too, but um, it's mostly fantasy. And I, oh man, like, you know how I'm not much of a collector um, and I've never really cared all that much about getting many people's signatures, but there are a couple authors that I would like kill to get them to sign my books. (laughs) Yep, you and me both. Oh, oh, oh! What do you, what do you, what do you read? I read much the same as you, uh, except I have a lot more science fiction in there as well. Being the biggest Star Wars nerd this side of the galaxy. Nice. I'm, what? I'm like the so, I'm a plain Jane, um, like legal thriller kind of guy. I like a lot of John Grisham, David Baldacci kind of thing for me. Although I do, I do hey. like myself some sci-fi. Um, there's nothing wrong with the legal dramas. Those are pretty good, too. They are, yeah, they are pretty good. Which is, um, it's surprising to me, though, that I don't read more, like, fantasy and stuff. Because, like, that's my favorite, probably my favorite genre. And sci-fi, too. I'd say those are my two favorite genres. And most of my books are, like, you know, 
they go down in the court. Oh. Uh, fun fun fact though, I just did find all of my old Animorph books from when I was a kid, so I got those. Aww. Didn't you all ju- also just recently play through the Phoenix Wright games? Uh, yeah, I did. That I yeah, you could argue that's kind of like reading a book. <laughs> yeah, it is. And it's also a courtroom legal drama. There you go. <laughs> and it's exactly how it would go down in real life too. May I be so bold as to make a suggestion if you have not already read it? Of course. Ooh. My all-time favorite fantasy author is Patrick Rothfuss. Um, it's R-H-F-U-S-S. And he... The um, Name of the Wind? Yes. Yes. Have you read it? You know, I, I own it. Uh, a friend of mine gave it to me, and he said he just said that it was incredible. And I think I've been sitting on it for like the last three years. Um, it's at it's it's in my house somewhere. I don't know where, um, but I know that I have it. He is an amazing author. I totally agree with Elizabeth's suggestion there. I love him so much. You're not you're not the first person to tell me that. So maybe maybe I should pick that book up. You should, um, but don't curse me if you do, because he has not yet released the third book, and uh, I am, like, dying. So this is like a Game of Thrones kind of deal, where where it's, like, still, it's an ongoing thing. Yep, yep. All right, all right. This was another, this is another question that we got from the site that someone asked me to ask you. Who would win in a fight? Urbosa or Wonder Woman? Ooh, that's a tough one. Um, I just watched I, Wonder Woman the other day, and she looked she looked pretty fierce. I mean, I feel like uh, like they'd start the fight, and then the fight would like stop because they'd both be so you know like enamored and respectful of each other that they'd be like, I mean, why are we fighting? This is stupid. You're amazing. I'm amazing. Like we're both good people. <laughs> I, I could see that. They they kind of did that. There was a comic, like, way, way, way back in the day. Marvel versus DC. And I think they had Storm from the X-Men fighting with Wonder Woman. And they pretty much did that exact same thing. Yeah. And I, was I, like, know, I was like, okay, I'm cool with this. I know it's kind of a cop-out, but um, I really do feel like that's what would happen if they were to start fighting. <laughs> so, this is uh last question for you here. Um, can you give us any any sneak peeks at uh, or hints about any future projects or appearances or anything like that that fans can look forward to? Ooh. Well, um, I can tell you now that the game is out, um, just for fun, I am actually in the remaster of Secret of Mana. Um, oh, Awesome. Yeah, I uh, I play the Scorpion boss. I don't know if you remember her from, you know, the first game. Uh, she's kind of, you know, like a, she's not the main villain. She's more like a, you know, minor or sub-villain uh, that provides a lot of comic relief and just keeps popping up when you don't want her there. Kind of uh, like the Ultros of the game. Yeah. Kind of like Rivali of Breath of the Wild. <laughs> But talk about a childhood dream come true, you know? You started playing with Secret Secret of Mana along with Chrono Trigger and all those great RPGs, and now you get to voice act in one of them. Yeah, that was another one of those, like, I had no idea what I was being cast for and recording for until I got to the studio. And, uh, 
and then when they told me, I, I, I no doubt, uh, not no doubt, I no joke, I shrieked. Um, because, I mean, Zelda is obviously, it's, it's huge and it's amazing and it, it's a universe. Um, but I, because I didn't have a Nintendo, I didn't grow up playing Zelda from the very beginning. Um, but I said, you know, like I said, Secret of Mana was one of like the first three RPGs that I ever played in my life. So there was definitely like a very personal nostalgia there. Um, and then what else? I'm also currently for any anime fans that may be listening. Um, Overlord season two is back on the air and I am reprising my role as Al Albedo, um, who is a hoot. And... There, all, all, all I can really say other than that is uh, that there is something big on the horizon. Um, I can't say anything about it, but, uh, you know, if you like my work, just stay tuned. <laughs> we can still look forward to it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, we, we tried to pry some details, and I think we did pretty good, Taylor. It's further than I thought that we were going to get. I agree. Um, I, it, I think that this is a win. It is kind of funny. Um, I found that doing VO for video games versus just about anything else that I can think of, like the level of secrecy and, uh, you know, non NDAs, non-disclosure agreements is like way more hardcore than uh, just about anything I've ever done, including television, uh, you know, film, any of it. <laughs> It's pretty intense. You, you might have to draw the line when they when they agree. tell you to put like a bag over your head en route to the recording studio, though. <laughs> <laughs> they just kid they just kidnap her after her audition. Say, you got hired, but we can't tell you anything. Come with us. <laughs> so I guess you know, um, I, right. I lied when I said that was my last question. I do have one more question for you. Um, yeah. Did working on something as big as like a breath of the wild kind of uh, like raise your profile. Did you find a little bit to, to just get, get your voice out there to, to a lot of different audiences that might've not heard it before. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that is uh, kind of almost inevitable to a certain degree. Um, but it is really, it is really cool because I have so many friends and family that you know, love me and support me, but oftentimes don't understand or know at all what I'm doing. And Zelda is like this magical unicorn of, uh, you know, like pop culture, you know, geekdom that is so universal that I don't think I've ever met anybody that hasn't heard of it, you know? So it's like, I've met a lot of people that haven't played Breath of the Wild, but being able to say that I worked on Zelda Breath of the Wild is just like this kind of like cool instantaneous street cred that I've Absolutely. never... Absolutely. <laughs> it's the best kind of street cred. And and it's like, I can genuinely say that, I mean, my, my parents, God bless them, they don't know a thing, you know, about <laughs> what I do really... Um, and they're always very happy for me when I book stuff, but I know it means like next to nothing to them in terms of comprehension. And Zelda was like the first thing that I told them about 
uh, you know, after it came out that I booked that there was kind of like that moment of like, oh, I know Zelda. I know that. So that's what you do. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So. All right. Well, uh, I'm I'm out of questions. Do you have any lingering uh, anything you want to ask Elizabeth Taylor? Um. Sure. Have you you go to conventions obviously because you're a voice actress mm-hmm. and you've done some pretty big stuff now, both in anime and in video games. Uh, have you ever cosplayed before? Yeah, I did. I've I've cosplayed a, a decent amount. Um... And who did you cosplay? If you can reveal those secret details. <laughs> oh yeah, they're not secret. If you go on my Facebook, you can find pictures of. They're everywhere. <laughs> and please keep in mind, this was definitely more along the lines of like casual amateur cosplay. I was never, I, I think the most professional cosplay I did was uh, when I did the big sis, or sorry, the little sister in um, the Bioshock franchise. Um, oh, cool. Ooh. And that was because I had two amazing people helping me with like the construction of the props and the, you know, sewing of the dress and so forth. Um but I cosplayed that. I've cosplayed um, uh, Black Canary. Uh, I've cosplayed uh, Ayla um, from Chrono Trigger. Oh, okay, okay. And I'm trying to think of... Have you done Obrosa yet? No. I actually have a not-so-secret desire to cosplay both um, Urbosa and Winter from Ruby. Mm. Um, for Urbosa, it's going to require a couple more months of hitting the gym (laughs) (laughs) or like some really good spray on body paint. Um, I was just about to say, like, they do have some of those around. I I think I've seen those suits at Halloween time that have six packs on them. I've been stocking up. Yeah. We've seen Andy in those pictures and (laughs) whoo, man. But I. I find that the primary issue that I run into um, is that both of those cosplays would require some really serious uh, construction, and I can't sew a button back on a shirt, you know? So I would have to find you to work with, um, and it just, it requires a level of time and dedication uh, that I haven't had time for yet. Yeah, my it, my cosplay definitely... was like a green Green Lantern T-shirt and some green face paint and one of those like <laughs> glow up rings, and that was it. So I feel you. But and as obvious as this sounds, um, Halloween has just kind of become like a lot of times my opportunity to cosplay. Like one year, a bunch of my friends and I all decided to do you know Ghostbusters, um, and so you know I of course went as. Uh, you know, Ghostbusters, what do you want? <laughs> <laughs> That's the greatest. So, you know, we, I, I kind of get my cosplay kicks in. Then my, my Halloween costumes all almost tend to revolve around, you know, some form of video game, pop culture, anime, something. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. I think that I think that is about a wrap for this episode of the Champions Cast. Um, we just like to thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy schedule to come and chat with us. Uh, it really means a lot to us, and we really appreciate it. Oh, absolutely! Thank you so much for having me. You're all, it was it was an absolute pleasure. It was a blast. So uh, again, just thank you so much, and uh, thank you to you, 
the listener listening to this. I didn't call them readers this week, so that's good. Um, but the <laughs> listener listening to this uh, for tuning in. And uh, make sure that you come back next week. We're going to have a good show for you then. Um, once again, thank you to our very special guest this week. And we will see you guys all next week. Take care. Ta-ta. Thank you.